Hello, and welcome to episode number 205 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me today is Tracy Livesey. She did an interview with me at RWA, and when I got home, I had 10 minutes of audio instead of a whole hour of audio, and I was super, super mad. But she was cool enough to agree to do the interview again. So this episode is a little bit about what we talked about before and what we talked about after RWA. She talks a little bit about our original conversation, but she also talks about her experience at RWA because I had interviewed her at the beginning of the conference. We talk about her favorite sessions, what it's like to be starstruck by authors you admire, and what it's like to be at a conference when your book has released that same week. We also talk about writing characters with Asperger's, writing interracial romance, reading social cues, and being one of many recovering attorneys writing romance fiction. There are, are a lot of them. All of the books that we mention will be in the podcast entry at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. And the music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. I will have information as to who this is and where you can buy it at the end of the show. And if you would indulge me for a few moments, I want to thank all of the people who have become podcast patrons. We have a Patreon campaign to support the show at patreon.com slash smartbitches. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the podcast and help me reach goals like commissioning transcripts for all of the episodes that don't have one yet. But beyond that, it is an enormous pleasure to hear how much people enjoy the show and how much people enjoy each new episode. I love reading the reviews that you've left. It's the only time I read reviews of my work, I swear. And I am really, really, really happy to hear how many of you enjoy the show. So if you've had a look at the Patreon or you've thought about it or you passed the link along or you've become a supporter, thank you for listening. You are made of awesome. And now on with the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this again. I, You should have heard me and the words that I said when I got home and I offloaded my recorder and I had 10 minutes and 38 seconds of audio <laughs> with you. And, and I was so pissed because our interview at RWA was so fun and it was so great. So I am really grateful that you are doing it again. No problem. All right. So this is Tracy Livesey, take two. Okay. So it's been like a whole week since your book was released. Yes. So things are very different. You're now very jaded. <laughs> I'm totally jaded. You're, so, you're completely over the publishing industry. So over it. Oh my God. And do you have like many, many angry blog posts saved up about how you're going to fix the industry and change it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you're too tired. Isn't release week exhausting? It is. And then on top of that, for it to come during the conference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty tired. I'm just like trying to just get back into the swing of things. So, yeah. Are you having jet lag? Do you sleep weirdly a little bit? It's crazy. Like, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I took the red eye oh, Sunday God. and got back, you know, got into BWI on Monday morning about six. Oh God. And yeah. And then I drove home, which was, uh, gosh, about two and a half hours maybe. And then my son had a, a dentist appointment. So I took him to that. And then my daughter had an eye appointment in Richmond. So I took her to that. And then, um, and then, so the next morning I slept until like eight 30, which I never do. 
And then this morning, oh, and my daughter commented on it. She made a little little remark about it. Like, I guess somebody needed her beauty sleeve. I was like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and then this morning I slept, um, till about seven fifty. So I think I'm getting better. I'm getting better. So basically what you're saying is that this is the glamorous life of the author. Oh yeah. I know. I know. I was like nothing like being back in the real world where like no one cares who you write, who you are, what you write, whatever. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, mommy, let's go. We're going to mm -hmm. be late get up <laughs> we gotta go you know oh and wash my clothes yeah oh you gotta do your own laundry yeah got got lots of stuff i always find it very funny when people are like oh my goodness you have such a huge twitter following like how did you do it and i'm like i honestly don't know and my kids don't listen to me so <laughs> i'm completely unimpressed with however many twitter followers i have my kids still don't listen to me it's crazy because even knowing that, even knowing that this is my life and yep. you saying that that's your life, I I still spent the you know entire week you know just like oh my god that's such and such oh my god that's such and such like totally I, you know, still do it yeah was there anybody at RWA you were super starstruck to meet like you couldn't breathe because that's happened to me a couple times and it's deeply embarrassing yet also quite thrilling yes well <laughs> as you know from the first time there was you I was very excited about that that was very and look, exciting and now you have to talk to me again so I am like super <laughs> boring and like oh my gosh that's Sarah she's so <laughs> annoying she screwed up the audio what actually what happened is I screwed it up on purpose I just <laughs> wanted to talk to you again because no, I'm annoying like that I'm just like, oh, now I'm boring. I've, I did all my good stuff. Now I don't have anything new. No, you're not boring at all. Trust me. Um, I feel honestly like when I say this, I kind of feel like I shouldn't, but because I've been talking about her for the past week, but it, it was Beverly Jenkins. I was really excited to meet her and I talked about her a lot before I'd met her. But meeting her, she was so sweet and so nice. She felt like like one of my aunts or something. You know, she was just so down to earth and funny. And so that was great. And then the only other person that I have in the past lost my shit over was, oh, yeah, can, was, you, okay. You can curse. There's no yeah. FCC regulations. Drop as many F-bombs as you want. Yeah. Um, but was Nalini Singh. And I um, I have pictures with her from every conference I've gone to. <laughs> and this year, I just couldn't do it. Like, I was just what? like, I can't. I know. I know. But this year, I, I saw her like three times in the hallway. And I just like, I just kept walking. I don't know <laughs> what it was. I was like, maybe I should like, don't push my luck or something. I don't know. But other than that, everyone, you know, I met people whose names I've only seen on books. So that was kind of cool. But I, I like to think that I, I kept my calm, that I was, you know, cool. And yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Not like, oh my God, she just touched my hand. I know. <laughs> so I like to think, you know, no one could tell that was going on. I have had many moments like that where I just I, I, I can't even control my breathing. I just sort of stand there and I kind of move my mouth a little bit like, uh, 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 wow. <laughs> and inside, and, and sometimes I control it really well. So like my exterior is like super chill. And then my inside, like I, my inner 13 year old is losing yeah. her mind at this moment. I remember a couple <laughs> years ago at RT, there was a onstage Q&A with Jude Devereaux 
and Julie Garwood. Oh my gosh. And like, I was in the back tweeting it. Um, and they were like, well, can we take questions from the audience? And I'm like, okay, Sarah, come on, you can do it. So I stand up, but I have to cross my legs. Cause I swear to you, I thought I was going to lose control of my bladder. And that is not an exaggeration. I had my legs crossed and I was holding onto the chair in front of me. Like my nails left a mark in the back of the, like the pleather that was on the hotel. Yeah. And then I opened my mouth and my mouth went dry. And I was like, I am completely losing my shit right now. And I have to ask a question. And I was like, ah. <laughs> oh my gosh i um i completely embarrassed myself <laughs> like, i really was just so incredibly embarrassed oh my gosh yeah okay so, so don't outfit, don't worry you are never alone in that the worst i think the worst i did was um at the uh, avon digital day uh before the conference um i um met Sarah McLean and she said who she was and I think I said ah <laughs> oh my god she laughed ah. I was like yeah I am so cool so oh yeah I am I am the I am the definition of chill except yes, not. yes. So, so aside from meeting Beverly Jenkins and Nalini Singh and Sarah McLean which honestly that sounds like a really good conference yeah how was your RWA was it good it was good. It was probably the best one, and that I've, I've this was my fourth one, I think. So it was definitely the highlight. And to be honest, a lot of that probably was because my, my book had come out, and yeah. I was, it was you know, this week you got to celebrate. Yeah, you know, it it just felt really nice to sort of go and and feel kind of like I belong. You know, like I was there for a reason. So um, it was a lot of fun. It really, really was. Tiring, but so much fun. Yeah. What are some of the sessions that you, you were like, I have to go to this. I cannot miss this. The, the calendar will be formed around this right. particular hour. You know what? This is going to be the worst answer ever. But no, because... This is your fourth... No, it's your fourth one. Yeah. Well, because I always buy the conference recordings right and so I know that I'm going to go home and listen to those and then there are some that weren't recorded so I was like I'll go to those and a couple of I don't want to call any of them out some of them were really good some of them were like hmm I have to tell you the best workshop I went to the entire conference was the Hamilton sing-along I I was so late to the Hamilton party, so so late. I'm killing myself by how late I was. Like I knew what it was, and I knew that people said it was great, and they said that the soundtrack was great. I honestly did not buy the soundtrack until the week before, when I knew it was going to be a workshop, and I listened <laughs> to it like once. And that's not enough to, you know, I knew it was good, but it's not enough to to really get all the words and stuff. And so I was like, should I go? Should I? No, no. And I went and I, I have listened to nothing else but that soundtrack. I sing that song when it's quiet. I just start singing various songs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm kind of obsessed now. You know, the nice thing about the Hamilton fandom, it's much like the romance fandom. There is always room. 
Yes. Like we are not running out of room and neither is Hamilton. No. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So good. It's so good. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I came home. I told my husband, I was like, we have to go see it. And then we looked online and like the, the soonest I, we could see it is in November. <laughs> yeah. Of 2018. So, right. Yeah. Right. And if we, <laughs> We don't mind sitting up like in the very last row of the very highest balcony behind uh, a pillar. Yeah, in yeah, the hall, you know. So yeah. <laughs> in the hall, you know. So if we can do that, you know, and and, they, and we have to be quiet, you know. So if I can do that, then I guess I can maybe see it. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm obsessed. Obsessed. One of the things I love about Hamilton and the fact that there was a Hamilton sing along at RWA is that there's just in the community at RWA and at RT, there is no shame about loving what you love. Like we love romance novels. We take a lot of shit for it. So we give no shits right now. So yeah. you add a fandom on top of that. It's like tripling the enthusiasm. It was incredible. And it wasn't just like people just sitting there singing, like people would get up and take the mic and sing like the song and then like they like someone came dressed in like a Hamilton outfit <laughs> so, <laughs> she would do like most of the Hamilton stuff and like the song was like him and his wife and you know you know is that enough or whatever like they were acting it out I mean it was crazy bananas so good so good yeah so that was the best workshop RWA Hamilton <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know what that's a lot of extroverting for a bunch of introvert writers. It was. It really is just something about that. Something about that song. And I think people felt, they felt like they were in a room with love. Like nobody yes. was just going to, you know, no one was making fun of them. Everybody there was in it. And I mean, it was crazy. And like people didn't, some people didn't know the words. Like I didn't, we had our phones out. We were just sitting along. <laughs> And the thing lasted like two hours. So it was only enough for part one and people wanted to keep going. Like yep. they were like, can't we just sing like more songs? And they were like, no, you know, we got to go. That's it. So it was, it was crazy. So yeah. Your recommendation for RWA 2017 <laughs> is a four hour Hamilton sing-along slash karaoke performance. Uh, yes. I'm going to tweet um, I'm going to, yeah, yep. I'm going to tweet Courtney and Alyssa right after this and say, <laughs> I was talking to Sarah and this is what we suggest as a follow-up. Yeah. Four hours. Four, four straight hour hours. Yep. Just, just bottles of water. Yep. <laughs> Maybe like a small buffet of some salty snacks. Cause you know, singing takes, it takes away your sodium. Yes. <laughs> you know, people just get off the stage, go refuel, come back. Yeah, I yeah, I would sign up for that in the heart. I would sign up today. <laughs> today. You register early and pay an extra sixty dollars, you get a guaranteed ticket to the Hamilton full length sing along. Boom, purchase. I know one click buy. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I can't go to signing. I'm so sorry, Hamilton. I've got to prepare my voice. I got to be ready. You got to rest your voice, man, because yes. RWA is hard on the vocal cords. Hard on the vocal cords. Yes, it is. So much. <laughs> Fun, though. Oh, so much fun. 
So one of the things we talked about in our first version of this interview, which died a very sad digital death, was your was your book. And I don't know if you're tired of talking about your book because, you know, it came out last week, which is like a year and a half ago. Oh, no. And I'm I, sure, oh, I know. Already I'm sure. being replaced by other books. I wanted to be like, no, no other books can come out. I'm still enjoying this. But I know, right? Yeah. New release period for an author is dastardly short so short i know it's so short so last year your new book came out back in the mesozoic <laughs> era yes your, your i don't book, even know if people are still even talking about it it's been so long well we're talking about it okay and i insist on talking about it because well the digital recorder screwed up and I lost our terrific conversation. You have no idea. My husband was like, what is wrong with you? And I couldn't even like put nouns and verbs together. I was just cursing. I could, your subject line was so funny. I knew I was like, oh, something happened. I was so pissed, like super mad. But anyway, enough about me and my technological difficulties. Let's talk about your book. Yes. You wrote a book. I did. It came out last week. Mm-hmm. How has your release week been? Have you been pleased with the response so far? I have been really pleased with the response. I'm, I was really nervous about the response. I thought, you know, I thought that was, it was a good book. I'm sure most, most people who write their books think that they're good. But I was nervous about um, how people would take to my hero, Adam, um, if they would still find him sexy, if they would like him, if they would give him, you know, give him a chance, if they would read far enough to give him a chance to warm up to him. Um, that really was a concern for me, but it appears I didn't need to worry about that because people seem to get him. So that made me very happy. Well, I mean, you have a reclusive, somewhat prickly computer genius hero. In a genre that currently is sporting some exceptional anti-heroes. I mean, he's not even the worst. <laughs> he's not even in the same solar system as the worst. He's just cranky, you know? Yes. And that's okay. Yes. I personally am a big fan of the cranky hero, um, especially the cranky hero who is really, really bothered by how annoying feelings are and how <laughs> feelings fuck up your schedule. And that's just not cool. Yes. I'm a fan. So if, if people are not familiar with your book, which okay. by the way, we talked about this last week and I am still trying to figure out who that cover model looks like. He looks like somebody and I don't he, know who it is. He does. And you know what? Oh, now I forgot because somebody said, someone said he looks like so-and-so. Yes. So, um, 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 Ooh, Ooh, someone said Tom Hiddleston, but dark. Huh. That was what I heard. I could see that. Maybe. Um, but he does. He looks familiar. Like you know him. I yes. Know. That's exactly it. He looks familiar. Like I've seen him. He looks like somebody. And I didn't know if it's because I've been staring at <laughs> that cover. Well, you I know? mean, it is your cover and it's a good cover. So, yeah, of course, was, you, you know, you want yeah. to stare at it. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did good for me. So, I didn't know if that was it. Um, but I've heard that a few times. He does look like somebody. Wait a minute. I got one more thing I'm going to Google before I lose my mind. And then I'm going to actually ask you about your, about your book. <laughs> now I'm staring at him. I'm like, who is he? Cause I'm going to say this and people are either going to be like, what? All right. He looks a little bit like Jesse Williams. Oh, see, 
It, it's it's yes, in, it's in the eyes and the jaw. He looks and a little bit like Jesse Williams, which is I, a good thing. I can give you that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who does her cover yes. model look like? <laughs> Yes. I'm going to have to put up like a whole quiz for this entry. Like, okay, everybody tell me in the comments who this guy looks like. I'll put up the cover in like 600 pixel like. wide. He looks a little bit like Jesse Williams. Oh. Which is a good thing. Because uh, yeah. I would not kick him out of bed for eating crackers. No, I would not. You could eat smoked fish in bed. And I'd be like, fine, go ahead. Oh, just just come on. I'd be <laughs> like, scoot over. Jesse Williams is getting it. <laughs> He's on the list. <laughs> right. So to people oh, yeah. who may not have heard about your book, but are now going to go look it up because the cover model looks a little bit like Jesse Williams. Tell, tell, tell lovely people listening again for the second time about your awesome book. Uh, my book is about um, Adam, who is this tech CEO, computer engineer genius. Um, and he's a recluse. He lives up in his house uh, in the mountains, and he's created this new device that is going to change the world, pretty much. Um, and his company wants him to do a presentation, sort of like the whole Steve Jobs iPhone um, thing, mm -hmm. and he wants no parts of it because he hates the media. Um, he had really bad sort of interaction with them, and he's like, no, I don't want to do it. But his company knows that in order for this device to get the attention it deserves to be the success it needs to be, that he needs to be out there in the public because that's sort of what the public expects these days. People are tied to their inventions. Um, and since Adam is refusing to do this, uh, the company hires a PR expert, Chelsea, to work with him and get him ready for the presentation. The only problem is uh, Chelsea can't tell Adam uh, that his company hired her. So she has to find a way to get close to him, to work with him and get him ready for a presentation, but not tell him who she is and why she's doing it. And so she manages to do that um, because she's awesome. Right. Uh, but in the course, obviously, um, they have their sexy times and they fall in love. And so now she has to find a way to have him do the presentation, admit who she is, and not lose him in the process. So she has to come clean, mm -hmm. but also do her job. Also do her job. Not necessarily yes. in that order. Not necessarily in order. And, I mean, well, I guess I can say the a part of the problem of um, of this, why it's not just sort of, I lied, I'm sorry, is that Adam has Asperger's. And um, for anyone sort of familiar with um, someone who has Asperger's, um, they sort of have difficulty reading social cues, understanding nonverbal communication. And so for Adam, um, it's essential that the people in his life um, are truthful and tell him the truth because it's difficult for him to read the cues that or to read the circumstances that that those of us who aren't on the spectrum take for granted. You know, we can see certain things that let us know when someone's lying. He has difficulty with that. So he is really sort of um, a stickler about truth and honesty. And he tells her that. Um, and in the beginning, she, he's just a job. So it doesn't matter. But once it turns into something more she knows 
it's going to be really difficult to get him to uh, forgive her if he will. So, and the longer yeah. the secret goes on, the longer she keeps the secret from him, the worse it's going to be. The worse it's going to be when it comes yes. out. Yes, and keep in mind, you know, he she's he still needs to do the presentation, so she has a lot of stuff going on, and and she's. Um, been promised a promotion that she's worked for for a very long time and it's contingent upon her um completing this job successfully so there's a lot of you know stuff going on and so it's not only also about her love for him him doing the presentation but him doing it su successfully so that she can get what she wants too so yeah it's a lot Good conflict. Good conflict, though. Good you know, stuff. that's a that's a really hard balance to set up for yourself as a writer. Yeah, <laughs> that, that must have been a real challenge to write because you have to sustain the tension of them not knowing, and then make the damage to their relationship sustainable but believable in a space that it can be resolved. I mean, right? That's a yeah. really hard. There's probably a word for this in writer language, but like a um a hard schedule of plot points. It, it, it was a lot to, to, to do so that he, you don't want him to, you know, come off as an idiot. You don't want her to come off as callous. Um, the conflict had to be believable and you had to understand both points of view. And so, yeah, it would, it, that part, um, I think that was one of the hardest parts for me was I knew in my mind when the truth would come out. Mm -hmm. um, but that meant, yeah, that meant that there was a good part of the story that I had to keep them moving and try to keep them likable and hope that the reader would still go along with them, um, you know, as they fell in love. Yeah. This is a bit of a technical question, so feel free if you don't want to get too deep into this one. So while you were writing, were you plotting this out like with post-it notes on a wall? Did you have a sketch of how you wanted this to go? Or was it all sort of in your mind in the right order? No, no. I'm a total um, plotter. Yeah? So, yeah. Before I even start writing, I do... Um, I don't do like character interviews, like what's their color and stuff, but I do do character arcs. And so I start out with what you know what their internal motivations are what their external mo motivation is um sort of what their wound is what's the thing that's keeping them from being happy like i do that for both characters um and then i do i plot out sort of all of my hitting all of my turning points and and all of that so before i even start writing i do about two weeks um worth of that type of work and then I start writing. Uh, so some scenes I'll write in one order, but then when I go back and revise, I might say, oh no, this works better before, um, you know, I, I move them around. And then also, because I do, a, I do my first draft fast. Like I just write it. I don't go back and revise. I write it. And then I go back and do my revision at the end. And before I even revise, I go through and I read all of the chapters in my hero's point of view and make sure his arc is clear. And I do the same thing for my heroine. And that's when I can fit in other scenes or switch things if, um, if it's not flowing right. So I'm a total 
plotter, you know, I analyze it. I think really it's because I was a lawyer and it's just, it's just what I do. It, I'm sure I could do it faster, but it, do, it doesn't feel right. I have to do it this way. You know, there's a whole lot of recovering attorneys, as uh, Alyssa Day calls yes. them, recovering attorneys in romance. And I have this theory as to why that is. Um, okay. So I'm married to an attorney, but he's not a litigator. And so I know a little bit about law, but I'm by no means an expert. However, I know that when an attorney, particularly one who works in litigation or has to present, um, you know, present a document, there is a structure that the document has to follow. The opening looks like this. The middle looks like this. So you have all of these key elements, sort of like a scaffolding. And inside that scaffolding, you can make the most bad, crazy argument you want for whatever the hell you're arguing about, but it has to fit within the scaffolding. Yes. Romance is a lot like that. There is a format, and everyone thinks that format means formulaic and all the same. Right. But no, there is a, there's, a, there's a framework. There is a scaffolding in romance, and you can make whatever the hell kind of crazy plot you want in the middle, but there is a beginning and a middle and an end that is expected that is part of the agreement between the reader and the writer, just like there yeah. is an agreement when you are in court that these are the steps you're going to follow and this is the behavior you're going to obey. Um, and everyone operates on those same rules. The same is true within romance, which is why I think so many litigators and attorneys and recovering attorneys <laughs> find their way into romance, not only because practicing law can be emotionally draining, yeah. But the structure of it is a familiar framework within which you're very accustomed to writing and being creative. Yes. Abs I mean, that makes total sense. That's absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's part of why my process is the way that it is. Because, yeah, I'm used to working within a certain structure. And so once I have my structure in place, like you said, then I can have fun and I can add these scenes and I can have them do this and I can have them do that. But we're building to different things. We're doing different things. Um, so that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Ah, I'm not just crazy for crazy's sake. No, there's no, no, no. There's totally a reason. There's a reason it works that way. Yes. I think there needs to be a recovering attorney's chapter of RWA. <laughs> Like all of y'all just get together and be like, all right, it's bad story day. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, oh, uh, why? Seriously though. I mean, I could spend my time pulling out my hair, writing legal briefs or yeah. going into court defending people, which has its ups and downs mm -hmm. or yes. Or I could spend my time pulling out my hair, writing romance. I mean, I am really struggling with this sex scene right now. Oh, it's horrible. Gosh. Like, Ron or these people won't bang. <laughs> <laughs> or getting to like, what can I do? That's I have to find the perfect black moment. What can I do to torture them so that they can get back <laughs> together because I know they'll get back together because that's what I write. Like I, there is no contest for me, none whatsoever. I love, I love, I love this. I absolutely do. Well, we talked about that when we spoke last week, how much you love the romance genre. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now would you be, would you mind telling me again how you came to romance? Yeah. So my um, parents owned this uh, seafood restaurant <clears throat> and uh, we lived in Farmville, Virginia. And I remember being in eighth grade, so about 11 or 12 years old. And at the time I was reading, 
you know, Sweet Valley High yep. and uh, Nancy Drew and like the new Nancy Drew, like when they had sort of updated her. So, you know, she, it was still the same characters, but it was, you know, late 80s. And I remember <laughs> she um, took ballet and that's how she would fight. Like her, she would use her ballet technique to like fight the bad guys. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I took, I took, let's see, I started ballet when I was three and I stopped when I went to college at 18. So I took like 15 years of ballet and I do not think that that qualifies me to kick the crap out of anybody. Really? Because she would be like pirouette kick and she would kick the guy. No, I'm very strong. I have very strong legs, but I'm very short. I really do not think oh oh nancy i don't know maybe she's better than i am it's possible i don't know but that's what i was reading and um and they had teen romances at the time i can't think of the uh of the line but they you know they had romances where the kids were in high school so that's probably uh sweet dreams sweet dreams yes yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Do, do, do me a favor. If you have any need to be productive, do not Google that on eBay. Do See, not go there. <laughs> I'm writing it down because I will be looking. Okay. Sweet oh my God. Dreams. Yes. Oh, okay. I have to digress. So there's this one sweet dreams I remember where it was the plot with the girl who had a crush on her older brother's best friend. As you do. She said. I know it's not, it's not. And she, um, and she had like, I, mean, I just remember she had this crazy curly hair and she would like get up and just like wash and go type was of she, hair. Was she black? No, no, she was white. I was going to say, cause I don't remember there being any characters of color in Sweet Dreams. I was going to say, now Sarah, you know. I was going to say, I did not remember, but you know. Yeah, no. I was, no. I was, I was really excited for a moment that maybe I had missed the the one, the one, the mm-hmm. one. No, no, no. She just had cr- crazy, and her crazy curly was not my crazy curly, but I understood what you know what she meant. <laughs> curly hair is a universal language. <laughs> yes. So she, um, but she liked her uh, brother's friend, and so she. Um, oh, and I remember she, it was like the year before she had. She was, I guess, chubby, and it talked about how her pants would make the sound of the thighs rubbing together. <gasps> Broke my heart. So I guess over the summer, she, like, worked out and lost weight or whatever. So she comes back, and she decides she's going to be cute for the brother or whatever. And so she she gets up, like, an hour before school so she can do her makeup, and she talks about um, blow-drying her hair straight. And she has this laugh that's supposed to be like geese honking, but she works on a nice ladylike laugh or whatever. And the entire book, of course, she's trying to act one way, but it's not quite working because the brother's friend liked her the way she was before. And then at one point, something happens. But I just remember um, she tries to do her little ladylike laugh and it doesn't work. And her real honking geese laugh (laughs) comes out and she just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> laughing and laughing and that made me laugh oh god that's what i remember i've got to find that book okay there's hours hours on sweet dreams anyway so that's what i was reading and so um there was this waitress that worked at the restaurant and she was she was like she was the cool girl she just was pretty and cool and popular 
And I remember I was sitting at the counter, my head in the book as always, and she gave me this book and she was like, you should read this book. And it was a silhouette. <laughs> I don't remember the title. I just remember the purple cover with the little white oval and the picture in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I read it and that, that was it. It was like my first hit. I was done. I was done. It yep. was drama. It was sex. <laughs> they oh, were like, yes. I know they were touching nipples and doing things. <laughs> <laughs> and I and then there was I love you. I mean, I was I was done. That you could not do any I mean, that was it for me. And her name was Angie. And I actually dedicated my first romance novel to her because she literally changed my life. That book I mean, it changed my life. That's adorable. I, yeah, uh, I mean, I I read romance every, every chance I could get. And we had this um, flea market in town, and I would go, obviously, oh with my mom on Saturdays. And for the first time after I read that book, I realized when I went the next week that people were selling the Harlequin, you know, presents. They would be like 25 cents a piece. And I would just take my backpack and yep. fold them in. Just, yep. like just give them to me. Six dollars meant that you yes. had a massive library until next Saturday. And was so, I would go home and, uh, and look and read the blurbs and pack them in order of how, how I was going to read them. And I, and that's what I did all week. I would, you know, I read in school in between, like in the textbook, I read in church when I was supposed to usher. I loved the week that I had to usher because I had to sit away from my family. So I was sitting back and God help me. I'd have a hymnal open yep. and right in that hymnal, I'd be reading about stuff. <laughs> oh, hiding romance in the hymnal. The hymnal. Oh I, my gosh. I remember when we were talking last week, you were like, and the Lord knows my heart. <laughs> but yes, I read all the romance during church. <laughs> It was love, Lord. It was love. He knows. <laughs> oh, he did not strike me, so he knows. He apparently, knows. no. Apparently, now you have found your your calling in life, right? right? So it was meant to be. It was meant to be. So, um, yeah that that uh, that was my introduction, and I I've been in love with them ever since. I've read them continuously ever since, um, and. Um, I just, I just love, I love this genre. And I've been, as you know, I've been mocked for it. You know, I've had people, um, boyfriends sort of make comments about it, about my unreal expectations. Um, and you know, I, no, I don't think it's unreal to expect a man to treat me well and to love me. And, um, no, I don't think that's enough. And to give me orgasms. Um, no. Yes. No. Because I can do it myself, right? So if he can't <laughs> contribute, then what's the point? So I don't think it's unreal. Um, but yeah, love. I, I I love the genre, and to be a part of it now is that that's why I lose my shit when I meet people. It, it's why because yeah. it's just it's given me so much, and so to be able to be a part of it is incredible. Like I don't think. If I were talking to the me, you know, 11, 12, 13, and I said, one day you will be a part of this, I don't think I, I would believe it. I, I, I don't. 
So yeah. One, okay. And there goes tier number one. Are you crying already? <laughs> no, I, I know exactly how you feel. I feel the same way. I sort of look at, I mean, every morning I woke up, I wake up and I think, this is my job. Are you kidding? Like I have dreams, very vivid dreams where I have to wake up and go back to my old job and, you know, my desk is still there. And I'm like, but I had this great dream where I ran a website and I talked to readers all over the world. What happened to that? Where did they go? Like the fact that this is my job, I, I am in awe and I am just deeply humbled that this is something I get to do. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Like I am so grateful and and deeply deeply thankful that this is this is the this is the community wherein I have made my job like mm-hmm. how did that happen oh my goodness I do I, I mean and I I think I think back to you know I stopped working and when I had my kids which turned out to be another sort of great thing that happened when my youngest started kindergarten I remember talking to my husband and I you know, I knew what I had to say. <laughs> so I was like, I can go back to work, um, you know, if if it's necessary, mm-hmm. but I would love to be able, you know, to try to give writing a try, to like try to get published because I've been writing, you know, on and off. We all start like three chapters and then don't finish, but I've been trying for a while and I had uh, joined my local chapter and the national chapter. And I was like, and that's, I that's really... pretty serious. I mean, once you join yeah. a chapter and join an organization, I mean, I speak to RWA chapters every now and again, and I, and I always want to say, you know, you, you're giving up like all these hours on a Saturday once a month. You're constantly working on this. That You're showing up. This is this is real. You're a writer. Yes. You put in the work. You show up. You are good. Yes. I mean, I think that for me, that was, you know, part of the law thing too. It's like, if I'm interested in this and I'm serious about this, there's a place for people like you. So go look into it and see. And yeah, that was before I talked to him. That was before, you know, anything, but it, it was one day a month where I could go and talk to other people like me. So when the time came, I said, I, you know, I can go back to work. It's not a problem, but I really like to try this. And I mean, I, we all love our husbands, but you know, he was just like, that's what you want to do. You go ahead and do it. And, um, it, that's one of those forks in the road, you know? And, um, it, it, I couldn't have been happier. I was so happy for his support. Um, and, so to, to, to have that and to never feel guilty about it and to, um, to be doing what I love is crazy. Yep. It's exactly what you said. I love these books. And so now my job is to write them. My job is to go and hang out and meet people whose names I just see on the books. Like, yep. okay, all right. So one of the things we also talked about was the part of the genre that is not so great that that hurts when you love it so much and you don't see yourself in it yeah and your your book is um fixing that a little bit i hope well you have an interracial couple yes and it's just sort of matter of fact like that's not the conflict no that's not the thing that's keeping them apart. It's this whole lying and interpreting the truth and not telling people who you are, yes. you know, like, 
other conflicts? That was a conscious decision um, for me when I knew what I was that I was going to try to do this, and it was because I not only was I did I want to write um, a black heroine because I wanted to see, you know, myself right. represented, right? But I wanted to write what the relationship that I had experienced. My husband is white, and it's crazy to say, but within our relationship, if our relationship was, was a romance novel, race was never an issue in our relationship. Other people outside of our relationship were, you know, had those issues, but the things that, you know, that bonded us or when we had our fight or our black moment and the proposal, none different, of that. Different had, kind of black moment. Different kind of black It's a whole <laughs> other kind of black moment. Okay, just just checking because you know I just I need to be clear for you know. Sorry. I I just walked into that. I didn't even see it. You see? Oh God! Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, that was great. That's my whole point. Didn't even didn't even see it. Yep. Oh yes. But that, that is my point. Like our things had nothing, race was not even an issue. And so I know that there are books about that and that there are people who write those stories, even those romantic stories. And that's great if that's what you're looking for. But when you pick up, hopefully, you know, my book, you're just reading a romance about two people. One's going to be white. One's going to be black. And they're not stupid, so they will mention it. But it's that is not going to be the source of the conflict. It's, it's just not. So that I was that's a conscious decision on my part. It's like, no, that's not the type of story that I want to tell. And so has there been, among readers that have contacted you, has there been a response of, oh, my gosh, it's me, it's my experience, it's my life? Have you had that yet? Um. I haven't had that particular comment. What I've gotten, though, what I'd hoped was that I wasn't the only one who was picking up a romance novel with a woman of color on the front and just praying that that wasn't part of the story. I just wanted to find a book where there was a woman on the cover black woman, woman of color, and she just had her own romance story and the race wasn't an issue. And that sounds easy, but it wasn't. It just wasn't for a long time. Um, And so I hoped when I was writing my stories that there were other women out there who would pick up, you know, an interracial novel and know that that the race wasn't going to be an issue. And so the response I've gotten from people, not like there's, you know, a hordes, but the ones who have written have said, you know, that's what I like. It's just a romance novel. Um, the race issue isn't a part of it. And I appreciate that. And I like that. And so that, that, that makes me feel good. There's also just the idea that, seeing themselves on the cover and seeing a story where they are the heroine, um, it just, it reinforces the belief that we are worthy 
of having stories about love told about us, that we are attractive and beautiful and worthy beings and that people, that we are worthy of love. And it sounds like a small thing, but when you, when this is, you know, when these are the books you read and the books are all about people falling in love and finding their happily ever after, and no one who looks like you is a part of that, you start to, it makes you feel as if you're not worthy of having that experience. You're not worthy of someone looking at you and thinking that you're attractive or that no one wants to read your stories. Your stories aren't important. And so it's to some, it's a small thing, but when you are the one that's marginalized, when you don't see yourself, it's huge. I mean, it really is huge. So to be a part of that, to know that in some small way, I am saying, yes, our stories deserve to be told. We are worthy of love. Um, we are worthy of having our moments read and talked about. And um, yeah, like that part, um, when I get serious about it, that's, that means a lot to me. But I try not to think about that too much, you know, because <laughs> um, I cry. So I just think about the fun stuff. But that is, it's really important. It's really important to me. So with your book, you, you get to help fix the genre and you get to help improve it. One of the things that you said in our original interview, which I later quoted you when I was on a panel that last week, was that you said, this is ours. This genre is ours. It belongs to us. This is yes. our genre. And if it's going to change, we're going to change it. We're going to change it. We, yeah. I mean, we say all the time, we talk about women and men and how we're alike and how we're different. Um, and we, you know, say, well, if women were running things, you know, the, this, this, and this wouldn't be a problem or right. this would happen. And like, so uh, like if men had babies, how different would medical right. care be? Right. Oh my gosh. Exactly. You know, or this issue of choice, but don't let me get started. This is not that podcast. I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't want to have to, you know, have you have to reclassify this podcast. But um, we say that all the time. But yes, this this is ours. This is this world is our world. Women rule this world. This is ours. And yet we still have some of these issues. So we need to we need to do what we're what we talk about. If we're going to if we are the better angels, then that's what we need to do. And so we know that this is a problem. Let's step up to the plate and fix it. Absolutely. So what is, uh, what is next for you in your part of the genre and the part that you get to, that you get to add to, what are you working on now? Well, I am finishing up, um, edits on the second book. Uh, so, um, and, um, love on my mind, uh, Adam's friend, uh, Michael, Mike, um, is the one who hires Chelsea. And so book number two is Mike's book. Uh, so I'm writing his story and it's between him and Chelsea's sister, India. So, and I've already, I've already had some people who have been like, it looks like their book is next. And I'm like, yes, their book is next. Um, so I'm very excited about that book. Um, India is a different heroine than I've written before. Um, 
the three uh, that I've had previously, they're very, they're professional women. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they've got their shit together. They're on yeah. it. Indy is, a, she's a free spirit. And so she does have her stuff together, but at the same time in a different way. So she's the type of person who uh, works to live. She wants to experience different things. So she'll, you know, say, I I think I'll travel to Nashville and she'll go to Nashville and she'll work at a bar for about three months and she'll meet people and soak up experiences. And then she'll be like, yeah, I think I want to go to Seattle. And so she'll go to Seattle and do something. Um, And that's, and that's new for me. Um, But I was, I've really, really liked writing her. So that's um, the second book. It's called Along Came Love, and that one's coming out in October. And then the book after that is um, Adam's other friend, um, Jonathan, and that book comes out next year. Yay. Yeah. Are they also interracial stories? Yes. Yes, they will. they're all. Until someone tells me I can't do that anymore. I will not be saying that. That's what I'm writing. <laughs> so, yes. And I just think about it sometimes. Like, I have to write, like, a novella at the end where, like, all these hot, gorgeous white men walk into the restaurant with all these hot, gorgeous black women. Like, yeah, that's just the way it is. <laughs> Nothing to look at over here. We're totally just all out. normal. Totally normal. So Who's I have it? one last question for you, ma'am. Sure. What are you reading that you would like to tell people about? Now, I know I asked you this last week, and if you can't remember and you've got new books, we would, <laughs> I would love to hear about them. Or if you want to just say the same ones. Yeah, I do. I, too. I will say them all. Go so, ahead. Um, what I am reading. So, of course, Nalini Singh fan. So, I um, just finished um, Allegiance of Honor, and which is the newest one that's sort of like a story with everybody like everybody coming back in and I was a little behind because of all the writing and deadlines so I hadn't read Shards of Hope um so I did them back to back so that was just like oh yes (laughs) that was great so Nalini Singh love her Beverly Jenkins um I just read Destiny's Captive I did this um Avon book lush where you sort of drink a glass of wine and talk about an Avon author you love. So I did Beverly Jenkins, Destiny's Captive. That's incredible. So good. The heroine is a pirate. I mean, she kidnaps the hero, ties him to his own boat, then steals the boat and like leaves him just like in a little dinghy and like, good luck. Good luck to you. And um, so that was incredible. And then they meet back up and it's like at a house party. This is a historical, by the way. So you think, you know, she's going to, I mean, I don't know what they would normally do, but I Honestly, wasn't expecting. There could be a contemporary with a lady pirate who kidnaps the hero. Um, yes. I, I would be very intrigued. But as you were saying. <laughs> right, like, how did that work? Hmm. But um, yeah, they meet up at this house party and. I don't know what I was expecting. I was not expecting her to grab a sword and for them to start like dueling. Like I was not expecting that. So that just kicked my ass. I was like, ah, Beverly Jenkins, love you. And so then since then, um, because I've had the free time 
and it was RWA and there's so many people to meet and there's so many books to read. Um, I have been reading like crazy. And so I just finished, um, Alicia Ray's, I, I hope it's Ray. I talked to her. I hope it's pronounced Ray. I think it might um, be Rye, but you can say is Ray. It Rye? Yeah, it doesn't oh, matter. It's, so it's, sorry, Alicia. No worries. Um, but, uh, um, glutton for punish, the glutton for punishment no, glutton glutton for pleasure. pleasure and serving pleasure. Oh, so good. Oh, you didn't, um, read those while you were hungry. Did you, um, hungry in both senses? Cause I hadn't seen my husband in like two and a half weeks. So yeah, don't read them when you're hungry or horny. That's all I'm saying. Don't. It's 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 not good for you. No, it, you cannot. Those there's like a whole list of books that I say. Okay, this is a great book, but you, you need to have food oh, nearby. So good, and I just knew the third sister's book was like next. So when it was not, I tweeted her. I was like, "Excuse me, where um, where where is it? Book, book." As if I don't know how long it takes to, to write a book, but I was like, "Get on it, please. I, I, I need to read that." So yes, and then I was I had listened to your podcast with Rebecca Weatherspoon talking about her series and the books with her and the sugar daddy, and everyone was like, "I don't know." And that was me. I was like, "A sugar daddy? Ooh, I don't know." Yeah, like that one too. So it was just, it was so sweet. You know, I, and I know, I know I realized that that's the title, that's like, the title. but like, I, I was expecting it to be raunchy. Not, yes. Thank yes. you. I was expecting a lot more raunchy yes. and darker, yep. more, more angsty and emotional. And it was just really this sort of fluffy, sweet just story. Sweet and just, funny like her voice is totally all through it like I can hear her as mm -hmm. I was reading it so good and then I saw um on your site um Tessa Dare's uh one of her older books was on sale for $1.99 so I was like yep I'll go ahead and get that and read that so what any duchess will do so, oh yeah. I'm reading that now you like it love it love love Love. Yeah. She writes, and this sounds like a strange thing to say, but you can say this to a romance fan and they understand what you mean. She writes really beautiful sex scenes that are, that are like, they move the story in a way. Yes. 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 They do. I haven't gotten to a full fledged sex scene, but the, like their first kiss. Oh my God. Like pages of yes. just about this kiss. And you're like there and feeling it. And Oh God. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so I have, um, I'm so excited that to have the time to actually read, which I haven't been able to do for a few months. So, um, I'm excited about that. So I have like the best. It is, it is. And I, and I know I'm late, but it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I've, you know, that these have been out forever and I'm just getting to them because, oh, so good. And, and it's, it reminds me why I love this genre, you know, like I've been writing for so many months and just focused on what I'm doing. And it's so great to take a break and then read and remember why I love this and why I'm such a fan too. Thank you so <laughs> much, so yeah. much for doing this again. You are welcome. I Thank didn't make you. you cry really hard though. 
I didn't cry as much this time. Only, the, you know, <laughs> you get me when I start talking about the whole diversity thing. I, you know, there's certain um, discussions I can have when we talk about diversity that make me angry. And then there's certain ones that make me tear up. And it will always be the seeing ourselves and being represented in that way. It just, you know, it just, it, it gets to me. Well, yes. you're, you're coming from a place of great love and, yes. and, and how much you adore the genre and how it lets you down. Yeah. And now you, a, you can yeah. do something about it. Yeah. You can, you can move a little bit forward where you think representation and inclusion needs to be made. Yes. I, I can do my part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's exactly. I, that's, I mean, I, I find that really humbling. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, it's not like, hey, look at me. I'm so awesome. It's more <laughs> like, okay, I can do this small thing. And hopefully it means as much to someone else that's, as it does to me. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Like I said, there are going to be people who write all different types of stories. There are going to be people who are more eloquent than I am about, you know, what it means just theoretically about representation. But the thing that I know that I can do is I can write a story with these two people and hope that readers fall in love with the story. And then, and, and, and in that way I'm contributing. Yep. That's my part. That's how I contribute. And I am totally happy with that. And that is all for this week's episode. I want to thank Tracy for speaking with me twice if you're curious about her books or you want to find some of the things that we talked about, you can see the podcast entry at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. I will have links to the books and the music and all of the things we talked about so that you can go and take a deep dive into sweet dreams, romances, just like I did. It took many hours. And y'all, those covers are something else. The music you're listening to was provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is Strictly Sambuca by Pete Bog Fairies from their album Black House. And if you'd like to buy that too, I'll have a link because I did and it's awesome. If you have taken a look at our Patreon campaign, I want to say thank you again. You can find us at patreon.com slash smartbitches for as little as a dollar a month, $3 a month, $5 a month. You can support the show, help me reach some specific goals like commissioning transcripts and generally make the show more awesome. At least I hope it gets more awesome. I'm doing my best you know, trying to upgrade the equipment and make sure that the dog doesn't dig a hole in the carpet. It's too hot right now for the dog to dig a hole in the carpet. He is asleep on the floor and completely uninterested in digging a hole. And it's really kind of a disappointment. If I had any noisy cats or dogs, I would put them in the show now, but everyone's sleeping like the lazy furry creatures they are. So on behalf of Tracy and myself and everyone here, we want to wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend. <laughs>